0: Yes, good morning. Indeed. The war goes on. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day. That your will be done, O God, on earth and through us. As it's being done and declared in the of heaven, that you secure this broadcast according to your will and purposes, Father God. That you would give us ears to hear it and understand it. Hearts to want to understand. Uh, hearts to not be afraid to reevaluate what we're doing, what we're looking at, how we live Uh, our expectations, the disappointments, the things that that we think and feel, Father God, that you'd cause us to reevaluate them according to your word and according to your truth, that we can walk in the truth and the freedom that you died to give us and not be all tangled up in the ways of the world. Father, we thank you, Jesus, you made it very clear when you died on the cross that this is a war, that you had to shed your life's blood in order to get life for us uh, and that's, that's the way it is. Lord, that's what had to happen. We thank you for also then giving us power to enforce the victories of the cross, to lay claim to the, 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 the finished work, the blessings, the deliverances, the healings, the restorations that you bought and paid for yourself. We thank you, Jesus, for giving us power and authority to bind, to loose, to forgive, and to get back those things that Satan has stolen from us as you so graciously gave them to us. And I thank you, Jesus, that your promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord God, even the temporary setbacks that Satan would try to orchestrate in our life altogether work for good. Because you said in your word, all things work together for good. So for each one who's listening today who might be discouraged or uh, in their expectations, disappointed, full of regrets, even feeling that they've been too bad for God to ever forgive them let them be encouraged today and let our hearts be open to your truth father we ask these things in jesus name and so welcome to our show today it is reconciling disappointments in the light of god's promises good morning honey how are you well doing?
1: G- good morning good morning you know we we have a lot of expectations of our lives we may not think of that you know on the top of our minds <laughs> but there we have a lot of expectations Mm-hmm. And and some of those are met, and a lot of those are not met. And we're going to talk about that today in various uh, levels. Ever, There's various levels, various degrees of expectations. Do you ever
0: wonder where expectations actually first came from? I think that they first came from the fact that we're made in the image of God, and we have the uh, the potential, if you will, for greatness as God has seen us to be his sons and daughters. And when we're thrown into this snake pit, our expectations get thrown for a loop, and we we struggle to try to get back to that divine sense of, uh, our or- original sense of goodness, innocence, um, beauty, godlike godliness. And I think that our expectations sort of spring out of that, but they become one of the most powerful things the devil uses and, and can to be discourage of, so, us. Yeah,
1: and, and unmet expectations can be some of the greatest frustrations we experience in our lives. And mm-hmm. the dictionary defines expectation as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So it's something that we hope for or <clears throat> long for.
0: You know, in the Bible, that is exactly right, because uh, Abraham, for example, was given a promise and he expected God, the, gi- the the giver of the promise, to fulfill the promise. So he was looking forward, like you said, to something that will happen in the future and hopefully for good. But so God's whole relationship with us is based on fulfilling expectations and keeping His promises. So right,
1: right. Even, even you know the, the basic kinds of expectations, even even the fact of even if we're not even talking about the involvement of God in these things. Well because God is involved in everything. But um one writer said that we all have expectations. We not only have them, we need them because they fuel our dreams, our hopes and our lives. And so so there's This know, kind it, of
0: makes us different than the animals. I don't think they have expectations about particularly any life goal or a thing that they want to accomplish. They just, just seem happy just, to live day by day s- by moment by moment.
1: Survive and multiply and <clears throat> yeah. that sort of thing.
0: So we're different than that. We have a mind and we have expectations. Right, right. So, which sets us up for problems.
1: Right, right. You know, there. we said earlier that there are many levels and degrees of expectations uh, in our lives that we have and expectations that are placed upon us. For example, uh is something as simple as a job description mm-hmm. we're looking for a, a, a new job they give us we get an interview they give us a job description which we learn about we maybe find it online or some other you know some uh, job site and we look at the requirements uh the qualifications the duties the expectations. and again the expectations mm-hmm. uh and and then another thing too is something we we purchased, we purchased a couple of products recently and We got an email saying, you know, want us to evaluate, want us to do a review on the Mm -hmm. product. Did the product you purchased meet your expectations? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... It's interesting. That's a
0: scary, dangerous question to ask in, the, in this, this very angry society these days because oh. nobody's happy about anything you oftentimes.
1: Know, we, we, yeah, there's a lot of, <clears throat> lot of complaining, a lot of frustration. Does God a lot send of us an
0: evaluation? Say, how how am I meeting your expectations as, as your God today? You well, know?
1: yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in just a bit. But there's a guy named Lev Grossman who commented, that was the thing about the world. It wasn't that things were harder than you thought they were going to be it was hard in ways that you didn't expect.
0: Yeah, exa- oh. <clears throat> exactly. So it's like our expectations and, uh, and the evaluating of our expectations, as we've we talked about, evaluating of our expectations according to our expectations uh, it becomes a problem. Are we doing it according to what we thought would happen, felt would happen, wanted to see happen, or according to the Word of God? This is kind of where um, the Christian has to take depart from the typical... Uh, look, the world takes at expectations, evaluations, failures to perform, regrets, you know, whatever. We we are a different breed,
1: right? Sometimes we 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 live even as believers. We have expectations according to the world rather than the word. That's exactly <laughs> and, correct. In Same way, you know, you see that in 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 love, the idea of love, yeah. There's a line from a song that says, love is not the fairy tale I thought it would be. Yeah. So we have this fairy tale idea of love, finding love, and the Hallmark movies and so forth. The idea of uh, marriage, we thought, oh, man, marriage is going to be, we're going to meet uh, Prince Charming, and mm-hmm. he turns out to be the you know, uh, kind the of- Ogre this, of the year. The ogre of the year. <laughs> as of the, and parenting, we thought, oh, man, it's going to be wonderful to have- children and raised children and They'll never disobey and me. And, yeah. Yeah. And then they, then they get, you know, nasty, they get rebellious or whatever happens. <laughs> and it's like, Oh my, it's just like, you want to just sometimes parents joke that they say, we just want to give them away. And then what about friendships? You know, you have mm-hmm. a friend, uh, a friendship, and then what happened? You know, a friend will. Uh, well, someone who thought was your friend, even David writes about yes, that in exactly, the Psalms. Exactly. He says, The one that I thought was my uh-huh. friend, he came with me to. Uh, we went to the house of God to worship together. We and, ate together. And, and ate mm-hmm. together. We shared as we walked together. And then he betrayed me mm-hmm. what do you you know and so we have that sort of thing we have expectations of loyalty and then betrayal comes even mm-hmm. in relationship and then another thing too is the employer employee relationships we think okay we think of how our boss should be and how our boss should treat us and if they don't treat us that way we get upset we might gossip we might quit we might just stall out in our assignments and so forth
0: you know expectations in that manner, you know, really are self-centered. You're thinking in yeah. terms of an originating out of your own self, how I want things to be. Um, and we fail with to, to walk in a place of empathy or understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, why is the boss the way he is? Or why, you know, why is my husband, wife the way they are? We, we always look at it in terms of kind of a very uh, selfish perspective. And this sets us up for either attempts to control the situation, change the situation, or become angry with the situation. Yeah,
1: or, or the you know, em, employee, uh, the employer can look at the employee that way. Why are they doing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. How come they missed that? Is there something that we can do here to remedy the situation?
0: Well, expectations, too, to think about it, set up a, a, a hotbed for anger. Because, oh. because you know, what, where, what anger is, anger is the sensitivity to an injustice, and energy or desire to right the wrong, fix that injustice. So anger sprouts up whenever there's a perceived injustice. And a lot of times, you know, we, because of our expectations, uh, we're thinking they should be more thoughtful. They should, you know, do this or that for me. And why didn't they? And and why can't they see I need help? And where are they when I need them? And we have all, all these thoughts going through our minds and our hearts. And it begins to set up a root of bitterness. or well, Actually, first the root is, is an injustice, which springs up into anger, which causes an explosion. And all of it comes from a lack of love or lack of empathy and understanding.
1: Right, right. And, you know, we have these expectations that are, that you know, some some that are met and a lot of them that are not met. You know, even like on, you know, with kids or uh, sports teams, you expect certain things out of your teammates or your coaches And then there's politics going on, there's injustices, uh, and in churches, too. There's people that says, you know, I was expecting this. They come to a church Mm -hmm. expecting this, we expect this and that, we expect, you know, uh, great worship, we expect uh, support, and and we expect the pastor to be there for us and stuff. And if the pastor doesn't quite meet our expectations uh you know he let we us judge him we get we, mad we, we judge have, him we yeah. get mad and we say well you know what i'm leaving this church i'm going to go and go to another one well, this we'll is find the same this thing. is
0: so everywhere present you're talking about the church we could talk about the government we could talk about our political leaders we could talk about you know at this point in time all i can say about the american society and individuals individually is that everybody's absolutely angry their expectations are not being met, and they're looking at it from a very selfish perspective. And it's not like, we, who out there blesses somebody for trying hard or doing a good job? You're looking for the fault, the flaw, and the reason that they have disappointed you. And why do we think that we are so entitled that everybody else should do stuff for us and we don't have to participate? These are all kind of ways that we get caught up in this whole Nasty little demonic net of expectations, and yet on the on the other hand, God has given us promises as believers, and that in itself also becomes one of Satan's most effective tactics for bringing discouragement, um, uh, you know defeat, uh, doubt, uh, unbelief, disillusionment, and disgruntledness and death so expectations are a dangerous situation. And our expectation, as the Simus would say, as the, as the Bible writers would say, our expectation needs to be in God and the fulfilling of his promises. However, as we look as believers at this problem, we can see it gets even worse when God steps into the arena and makes these incredible promises that seem to be absolutely not happening.
1: Where you have expectations, you have disappointments. And a lot of times we have disappointments. And and what, like you said, uh, Marjorie, disappointments can lead to just, you know, just sadness, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, complacency, cynicism, Mm -hmm. self-combination, discouragement, defeat, depression, hopelessness. And what does this do for the kingdom of God? Even suicide. And and,
0: and, well, how does this profit the kingdom of God? How does this profit the kingdom of God? Uh, For example, God has said, Ask and you shall receive. You know, that's a promise. You know, Jesus made that promise. Ask and you shall receive. Nothing is impossible uh, to those who believe. Greater things than these shall you do because they go to my Father. Um, exceedingly abundantly above that beyond all we can ask, think, or imagine. Uh, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We're more than conquerors through him who loves us. Um, I've, I was young and now I'm old and I've not foreseen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. So we have all these incredible promises and we don't know uh how to manage them.
1: Well, right, right exactly. You know, uh you mentioned I uh, just you mentioned Ephesians three twenty and twenty-one in mm-hmm. an the Amplified Bible. It says now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare, ask, or think, mm-hmm. infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Mm-hmm. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen, so be it. And then you mentioned John 14, 12, just It just bears repeating here. Greater things than these shall you do because I go to my father, so um, there was a there was kind of a catchphrase that came around several quite a few years ago now, probably twenty twenty five years ago or so, but it said um, uh, it was going around in Christian circles. Um, expect a miracle, expect a miracle, and uh, and I and in fairly a little more recently there was just kind of a catchphrase going around. God surprise me, God surprise me. Well, you know, expectation from the Lord, according to the Word of God, is great. And this is this is uh, in in the world you shall have tribulation and be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, so, so he says, expect trouble, but be of good cheer. Don't just say nothing good is ever going to happen, mm-hmm. and it's just all.
0: Well, I think trouble
1: and problems and stuff like that.
0: I think when when preachers do that, they expect a miracle. I mean, you have to hear from God when you project or broadcast these kinds of things because you set people up. They're looking for leadership. They're looking for direction. um, And, you know, people are gullible and they are looking for something to hold on to. They're looking for hope. Really, the hope that anchors the soul comes from your relationship with God and knowing that God is with you in the good times and the bad times all the time.
1: Well exactly, you know uh, what about you know say you're expecting a miracle here Here are some of the real nitty gritty issues that we we f- we deal with okay uh what you're expecting a miracle? what if the miracle doesn't come? Let me just rattle mm-hmm. off a few mm-hmm. of these yeah, okay? okay, all right, so you're expecting a miracle, the miracle doesn't come or it doesn't come according to our timetable sometimes we we have expectations within our own time frame. Mm-hmm. And then we give up if it doesn't fit our time frame. Mm -hmm. Uh, Say we pray earnestly for someone to be healed and they die. Mm -hmm. We believe for the healing of a marriage and and the divorce goes through. We pray and work hard to see our church grow and it seems like it is stalled and even shrinking. We know that we have a great call to ministry, Mm -hmm. but year after year it seems like we are shoved Mm-hmm. And stuck in a corner, and then the idea too, you know, we said, "Well, we let's get real intense." The more we fast and pray mm-hmm. for a spiritual breakthrough, mm-hmm. you know, in the more our discouraged in, maybe we get. In, in our mm-hmm. church or in our community, uh in our nation, it seems like then the more the forces of hell rage against us.
0: So we think about you know our expectations. We think about what you just said, and all of us have experienced those kinds of disappointments. Um, you know, and then question, then the, then the answer is, well, why? What happened? Uh, well, you didn't have enough faith, or, uh, you know, it, it was your fault. You didn't prepare, or you didn't try hard enough. sin
1: in your life. Now, yeah, that's the Bible thing. says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But a lot of times, if, it's, if you don't have enough faith, or there's sin in your life, a lot of times those are just kind of pat
0: answers, answers cliches. You know, yeah. You, or you know, don't trust God enough. Right, yeah. And, yeah. And, and these are demonic, really. These are demonic answers. I know God says that about sin, but the thing is, and that is true, if you, but people who sin blatantly, uh, deliberately, uh, rebelliously against God, usually don't look to God for him to keep his promises to them. They don't even expect that. But what we're seeing is pe- the Christians, let's talk about the Christians for a minute. Paul said, and I think this I did not come to you with excellency of speech. You know, he didn't come with a big charismatic fanfare, you know, light show with, uh, you know, his, his orchestra or his accompanying musicians. He, he came, uh, you know, I, I can't even imagine what he would have looked like. Probably some ugly little guy who would have wore glasses if they'd had glasses back in the day who didn't speak very well. He says, I didn't come to you, you know, with excellency. He wasn't a, a, an orator. And yet his writings are powerful. And his, his little persistence, his, he kept getting on the boats. He kept moving around. He kept going to the missionary on the the journeys. He didn't see a lot of fruit here. There was a little there. There was a little, little church springing up there, a little there. He had one disciple, probably two, maybe Timothy and Titus, maybe if you count Titus. And, and yet he was a great man of God. And if he would have did an evaluation of his life at the end he said actually did evaluate his life says i have fought a good fight i have kept the faith that was his expectation i just need to keep the faith here in the midst of these incredible demonic um oppositions that have come against me you know and and he was able by the grace of god and the holy spirit's anointing inspiration to actually explain the dynamics that go on behind the scenes that wreck expectations that b- create this defeat you actually satan i believe sets up in your mind in your heart through society through your family the expectations uh, you know make a good name for yourself you know do do us proud kind of thing to set up in us this uh, this desire to accelerate and to achieve and we don't see it and we're we're frustrated and we're exhausted we run out of resources money time energy we're bound in corners with relationships. We're, we're defeated, discouraged. And Paul says the most important thing is to get through this maze, this gondola with, with faith, with believing and not giving up. So when God says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you'll find, nothing is impossible, um, we are actually, you know, God is making these promises and Satan is using the very promises of God to discourage, like I said, to discourage us. And it's like, but you have to realize this, that we are, you know, being we're actually bound by our genetics, by our traditions, by our, our, the programming of the pit, how you were programmed. Um, we don't understand these things, that there are limitations also written into our genetics. There's limitations and lies written into our traditions. And we're oftentimes very loyal to those lies. We're very loyal to um, our heritage, our culture, our this, our that, our parents, our family, uh, ourselves. And we become our own little demigod. But we we don't want to give up the lies. We don't want to let the Lord address, uh, cleanse and heal our genetics. We don't want to give up our traditions. And for sure, we don't want to give up the pet programming Satan has set up in this, in our soul software. So we're being shaped and held fast by our self-concept. And that's exactly what Satan hopes. He can hold you back from the great promises of God, from entering in, from experiencing the, the rich fulfillment of anything, by holding us in this concept of, of, of and it's a self-concept that's formed out of the reinforcement from our, our repeated failures. The more you fail, the more you get up and try, the deeper you dig the rut, the more you become convinced it is what it is. It's never going to change, and I'm never going to make it. It's interesting, too, honey, that when children are little, when humans are little, They have all these, they they, they, they dream about things. I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. I'm going to, you know, be the president. We even wrap little t-shirts on them that I'm going to be next president of the United States. We have all of these exciting, you know, potential. I've got my whole life ahead of me, energetic, ambitious ideas. And by the time you get to be an old being, an old human being, you're looking back over the course of your life and, and you know kind of your memoirs or your your, your um, self-examination and you're seeing the failures the disappointments um and and the defeat the the broken dreams um you know and we you know become we can we're at that point at that really at that evaluation point where i held on to my self idea concept and i didn't let it be transformed by the renewing of god's word i held onto who i thought i was and i didn't make it then we can become very upset even with the chastening of the Lord, who worked many times in us to probably set us free from that that uh humanistic self concept of success and what it means to be loved and accepted and uh well successful i guess um you know and when those when those expectations don't come to pass, then what do we do we um we give up, we get mad we go away
1: a lot of time what happens is people put Certain expectations on us. Society has an expectation. This is how you're supposed to do it. This mm-hmm. is what you need to wear. This is what you need mm-hmm. to look like. This is what you need to do <clears throat> to be considered self-successful. You need to have these things. You have this job. You have this look. You have this size church. You have.
0: Well, well, you drive this kind of car, etc., etc. Et but but this is not, you know, we are not of this world. We cannot right. use these these measures to determine our worth, our value, our, our our anything. My worth and value was determined before I was ever even born. It was determined by the one who made me, the one who died for me, the one who uh, created me and bought me back. And that will not change. That is a that is a constant. But Satan wants to ob- obliterate the idea that I'm worth anything or that I can do anything for the kingdom of God, and he discourages us. And one of the things that he does is that you know, as we get older, uh, we're dri- we become more driven to do things, and that more we do, the busier we get, and the busier we get, the faster life goes, and the faster life goes, the more we uh, we realize uh, that we can't get everything done. We become um, we racing to the finish line to finish well, and and we're getting more tired. As we as we do it. And so very few people on this planet ever feel like they've really accomplished what they were put here to do. And so we have to go back to the word of God um, and and learn to make peace with ourselves, make peace with God and allow him to run the race through us, Um, not us running the race and dragging behind us a ton of regrets as we're trying to make uh, build more momentum going up the hill. I really think the psalmists have it right. And, you know, going back before we do the psalmist, let's just look at it. When you're a little child, your dad makes an ex- a promise to you. God, Father God makes a promise to you. He says, okay, th- th- this evening um, we're going we're gonna to go to the Dairy Queen. We'll go to the Dairy Queen and you can each get a blizzard. Okay, so all day long <clears throat> this little five, six-year-old is wanting to, waiting, waiting and working. I Get, get your work done and then we'll go and we wait and we work until the promised time comes and the and the man who made the promise is is a man of his word and the promise is fulfilled. So this is kind of the way it is except to become as little children. We're little children in this life working and waiting. And if we look at Psalm 37, it's a very good psalm for those who are being frustrated with this whole process and and asking where are the promises of God? Uh, what's going on here. It says um, in Psalm 37, verse 34, he says, "Um, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the earth. Uh, When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. And then he goes on to say, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him and he could not be found. I think one of the best promises God has made to us is the promise of getting rid of the wicked it's just like they've been nothing but a detriment nothing but pain nothing but uh trouble uh severe pain trouble cause great suffering in the world and God says he's going to get rid of them but but it's but it's us for us to wait upon the Lord and in Psalm 37 verse 39 he says but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord his strength is from uh he he is their strength in time of trouble The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. The psalm starts out as do not fret because of the wicked, because of evildoers, because of those who take your place, because of those who steal from you, because of those who um, um, exploit you or or, or say bad things about you or or cheat or lie or uh, in their cunning ways steal from you. Do not fret. Do not become worried or anxious and don't even in some ways try to fix it. Um it's all about really God's battle against evil uh and God's faithfulness to remember and keep his promises to us. How many times in the Old Testament did he remind himself of his promises to Israel and returned to help them after they had been whoring uh going off after idols and idolatry and adultery in the <clears throat> in in the you know against God's love and promises? So God himself has to remind himself that it's his problem. He's the one who's faithful to complete the work he's begun in us. Um,
1: Well, exactly. Well, the thing is, a lot of times God gives us promises, but there are conditions that we have to meet in order to. But the uh, devil
0: tries to make sure that we don't meet those conditions or makes us feel like we have it and tells us we're guilty or or failing. Or
1: if we actually meet the conditions. uh, you know It's still Matthew six thirty three, for yeah. example. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So you're putting the Lord you're putting the Lord first, you're putting the kingdom first, and it just seems like, you know, you don't have the money to pay the rent. You wonder how you're gonna make your
0: mm-hmm. car
1: payment. You say, Well Lord, I'm putting you first and where 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 is this? Where where's the is this promise good or what?
0: Well I think the part of the problem with all that and the way we look at God as we look at God is, you know money bags or some, you know, it's really God wants our relationship with him to be based not on what he gives us, exactly. but upon our love for him, for who he is and, and his love for us, for who we are and not, not to get all this other stuff in the middle of that and say, well, if you really love me, then you do this and that and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> A lot of our questions are, would be answered if we really were settled in the idea that God loves us, that Jesus loves us yeah, and and, and that we're okay Instead of coming up with this concept, the devil always brings in, well, you're sinning. Well, you didn't get this because you made God mad. You know, the thing is that we, we haven't learned how to uh, get, when you sin, the Bible says, confess it. It doesn't say give God a, a you know, a fruit basket of penance. It says, confess you're wrong. Con- t- tell God you're sorry. You got caught in the midst of a trick, a lie. You believed a lie. You acted, you took the devil's solution um, you try to do it yourself, uh, whatever the lie is, confess it and cancel it. say, you know, God, forgive me for being so self-reliant and independent and s- forgive me for not believing you really loved me. Forgive me for thinking the devil had a better solution. Forgive me for getting tricked into believing that this more instant fix that my way was a better way. Forgive me. That's called confession of sin. That's called humbling yourself, uh, getting rid of the pride because it's doing you no good. It's not even you anyway. So kick it out and say, you know, God. Um, I need you. And then so when we repent to change your mind, say, God, I can't do this without you. See, all, a lot of what happens in our lives, really, and we run against up against the pricks of life, whatever those are, is us. God is chastening us to teach us that we cannot do this ourselves. We, He is the one who's faithful and we simply are to follow. And it's not the other way around. We're always thinking, I've got to do something and you're going to follow me. No, no, no. God is faithful to complete the work. He has prescribed and begun in, in, in you And it's you to follow. And when you follow, he will complete a work in your life that you'll be very pleased with.
1: Well, the story of the uh, prodigal son in Luke 15, the son, you know, he had this kind of entitlement mentality. And this is something that God wants to just deliver us from.
0: Oh, boy, this generation has got a ton of that.
1: We are living in an entitlement. And I don't get what I want when I want it. You know, serve
0: when, me, wait on me, get it for me. I don't know how to do this. it.
1: When do we want it now? <clears throat> you know, yeah. that's the chant. Well, that's the instant
0: drive through everything.
1: Yeah, drive through, <laughs> instant gratification, just touch of a, a touch of a mouse. Just this a is click, not a the example
0: away. the Bible gives on any in, in any way of developing righteousness. It doesn't come through any instant drive through shortcut. Let me tell you.
1: Well, the prodigal son, mm-hmm. he had this entitlement mentality and he had he was he was just in asking for it. I mean, he wasn't just, yeah, he was, you could say, well, he was just really greedy, but it was it was okay in the culture of that day for the father to give the son the inheritance early before the father died. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the statement, he said, give me what I got coming. Mm-hmm. Give me. So he had the give me entitlement mentality. We know the story. He went out and spent all that money uh, on riotous living mm-hmm. just, just just wasted it wasted it, wasted his life, mm-hmm. and he came back, he came to himself he yeah, came, he realized he came to a realization revelation, and what did he say to the father he was going to say i 'm going to go to the father and say, make me as one of your servants, so he went from the place of give me to make me, and this is this is what mm-hmm. you this is what we have to come to. to in our lives instead of lord what are you going to do for me lord make me right god is more interested in making us in romans 8 talks about us being conformed to the image of his son Mm -hmm. jesus called his disciples he says come after me and i will what make you make you to become fishers of men so god is more interested in making us than giving us stuff.
0: And notice that the, the prodigal had realized that his father's servants had more uh, security, life security, um, had more freedom than he did because he couldn't he hadn't done, didn't have didn't need have the freedom to get out of the pig pen really. And so the thing is <clears throat> excuse me that our, the the whole the whole uh, up is down in is out to save your life is lose it to lose your life is to keep it is that <clears throat> Excuse me. That God wants us to ask uh, to be made into servants. I mean, being a servant, we're we're the most free that we can possibly be in serving God.
1: Right, right. That's that's the um, you know it's a it's a par- paradoxical thing you know, and it's just like some of these instances. You know, we often often have misconceptions of what our lives should be like, yeah, and how God should perform.
0: In our lives. On our
1: behalf. Yeah. Now, sometimes we think, you know, God is, we're the, you know, some there's some extreme views in Christianity, elements of Christianity that say, well, God is here to serve us. Well, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Mm-hmm. He came not to be served, but to serve. Yes, he does serve us, but we're looking But he trains to us up
0: to be servants as well.
1: Servants of, for, of him and servants of others. And so- uh you know, we have a lot of times we don't want to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. Well,
0: if you look at the word of God, speaking of waiting, it's all about waiting and working. That's how you got to the Dairy Queen. If your dad was a faithful dad, <clears throat> you worked and you waited. And it's kind of like in that particular place, you think you earned it, but really it was coming as a promise from, you know, your dad didn't have to give that promise that he was going to take you to the Dairy Queen. You could just work you all day and you got nothing. But, you know, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we have tremendous examples of people who were refined through the process of waiting, through the process of what fighting the demons of discouragement and despair um you know, I just, I think of Joseph in the prison, young Joseph, maybe 17 years old. I think, I don't know, maybe it was 10, 15 years in that prison. And he worked his way up. He learned a lot of skills in the prison. He was, he was a great uh, accountant, bookkeeper, a manager of, commodities and through the prison through potiphar's experience as well he learned how he was going those things he was going to need later when he was the second in command of pharaoh to run the the grain operations the food uh you know distribution uh for egypt during the famines but during the time that joseph was young impulsive his whole life his his, his good looks everything is being held up can't find a wife you know nothing's going the way a young man's life should go for probably, you know, 10, 15 years. And how many times do you suppose he prayed to get out of the prison? And he had that dream. The expectation was my brothers are going to bow down to me. That looked like it went down the toilet. And then he had, you know, all these people who said, yeah, yeah, we'll help you, the baker, the the butler. But they forgot about him. And it, it just seemed like there was nothing... That came to deliver him. No matter what he did, he did good things, righteous things. He stayed pure, and, and and yet it didn't seem like it was working in his favor. But it was this extreme, extreme test of faithfulness. Was he going to believe God, God's promise to the the vision would come to pass? Was he going to believe that, or was he going to throw that out and say, "Forget it, then. I'm just going to do in my do my own thing because God's not here." How many of us? How many of you have said, "Forget it, just forget it. God's not faithful. God's not here. I've screwed up." You know, God can't fix this, blah, blah, blah. This is the devil talking to you. There's nothing impossible with God. God knew you'd get this all screwed up. God knew where you'd be right now. God knew that that thought would even be coming into your mind and he knew where it comes from. And you should ask, where's this thought coming from? You need to take captive every thought and not every thought you think you thought are thoughts you thought. Some of the thoughts you think you thought are thoughts the enemy wants you to think you thought to dwell on them, to allow them to grow up in your life and bring forth bitter, evil fruit. So discouragement, disappointment, bitterness against God. How's that gonna profit the kingdom of God? You know, it's better to just, know that you're loved by God and be satisfied with that. I mean talking about Joseph, talking about Paul, talk about Moses. Talk about that guy. He started out at the top of the pile. I mean right next, you know, in Pharaoh's house. You know, probably next in line to be the next Pharaoh. Um smart kid, educated in in writing, in in, liturgy, in literature, not liturgy. <clears throat> I don't think he went to seminary, but anyway. But he had a Kind of a divided identity, and he found out he was a Hebrew. So, but he was at the top of the pile, and then he got cast out through a a good deed, trying to do a good deed, which you know, uh, you know, trying to set something right, bring some justice. He ends up on the backside of the desert for forty years, but you know, he was forty when he left. And I don't know if he's 40. when he left Egypt. I have to check that out. But he was in the desert for 40 years. So by the time he gets back to Egypt, he's 80 years old. 80 guys. You're not 80 yet. You know, God can still do stuff with 80 year old people. So he lived to be 120. But, you know, the thing is in the desert, what was he learning? He was waiting, 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 dying, dying, giving up, doing sheep, doing sheep, doing sheep day after day after day. What about Jesus? 30 years in the carpenter shop. Building tables and chairs and fixing wagon wheels and, you know, just being a normal, ordinary, very uh, <laughs> uneventful life, normal person.
1: Oh, well, before you jump to Jesus here, let's go back to Moses here. Okay. Bit. And uh, Moses, you know, God said, you know, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh uh, that you may bring my people out of the uh, children of Israel out of Egypt. Okay. So he called, he said, uh, Je- Exodus 3 7 and 8. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. He says, okay, in verse 10, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So... He so not argued, only was
0: he, Moses suffering, but the children of Israel for that what was it, 120 years?
1: 430 years they were there. Okay,
0: but they weren't suffering the whole time because some of the time well, they, were they were still. They were
1: 430 you know, years in Egypt, and and the the oppression got worse and worse. And so
0: they were super discouraged, defeated. Oh, Their yeah. expectations were totally dashed. Here we are, the people of God, and now what are we? They're just oppressed, be- persecuted,
1: oppressed slaves. I know. And then so Moses, God says. Okay, go see Pharaoh.
0: So much for expectations, huh?
1: So he said, "Go see Pharaoh," and 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 then he says, "Well, let my people go," and basically Pharaoh is saying, "You know, listen, you guys don't have enough to do. Yeah, you're complaining. You want to go out and sacrifice to your god." So it backfires. He, he says, "No, he says, well, you don't have enough to do. You're idle, so." And they were making these bricks out of straw. They would stomp the clay and the mud and the water to make bricks that they would dry to build buildings and so forth. So what happened? He says, now you are not going to have the straw brought to you anymore. You have to go out and get your straw. You've got a big extra job to do. Plus you have to have the same uh, tally of yeah. bricks
0: mm-hmm.
1: produced every day. So in so the, other words, well, it me, got let worse. Me get, let me get this here. <laughs> it yeah, worse. it got worse. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, mm-hmm. he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So so Moses has got this problem yeah, a prom, not problem. <laughs> promise is. of deliverance, and it becomes a problem of deliverance. Right. Mm-hmm. He starts out. He says, "Listen, okay, Lord, come on. I, I was expecting Pharaoh. Yeah. You said Pharaoh's going to let him go. I start out here, and things get much worse. Yeah. than they were well, before.
0: This, these are all the the men, the great men and women of God who waited and waited. the The children of Israel waited for uh, how many years for a savior? Thousands. But the thing is, you know, the uh, David." chased around for four how many forty years, twenty, twenty at least twenty years in the wilderness with Saul chasing after him. He wasn't crowned king until he was like forty years old. And um uh, he you and then it was only half the kingdom for a while. Noah, 120 years building a boat after God said, I'm gonna destroy, you know, build this boat. I mean, he could have said, you know, maybe I misheard God. You know, after the first week I probably said, what, well, did I really hear God? I mean, maybe that was just my imagination. Here he's 120 years later and he's building a boat, and the people are laughing at him, thinking he's crazy. It had never rained, so there was another problem. They weren't building the boat by a big body of water. They were building it right on the dry ground, at, you know, not near a body of water. So here we have a man these men of faith. And Jacob, you know, he was chased out of his inheritance, ran away from home when he was a young man because of his brother and the, the conflict. And he was over there with Laban. Work seven years for Rachel seven years for Leah another six years. So he's there what 14 um 20 years um And then he's afraid to come back because he knows his brother Esau is still going to kill him And yet he's got all these flocks and all these kids and he wants gets back He wants to get back home and his life has been nothing but oppressed You know, he's been blessed with lots of sheep and lots of goats and and lots of kids but the oppression of the righteous continues in some avenue or another, you are going to be oppressed and persecuted because that's just the way it is. And that's that's not because you don't have faith. It's because you do have faith. It's because Satan considers you as a, a deadly uh, enemy and he wants to take you out with discouragement or, or uh, failed expectations. But,
1: but the point is, of all these people, and a couple more that we'll talk about here today, but all these people, they did get the result deliverance there the promises did come true it just it just took time it was mm-hmm. in god's time god's timing you know e- even uh, you know like uh
0: what well, can i say abraham yeah hey, one of my favorites because abraham uh, was he believed the promises of god in romans chapter 4 and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he didn't waver though his b- body was getting old and the promise god made to him was twofold it was one you're gonna have kids and the second you are gonna have land and you know actually when Abraham died, he had one son. Well, no, he had, I'm sorry, he had one son of the promise. Um, he had several other sons by Keturah, and he had Ishmael, of course. But he had the one son of the promise, Isaac. And Isaac only had uh, two kids. And so, and and Jacob, I don't think he had started having his all of his kids yet by the time Abraham was here, and then died. So Abraham died with, you know, like four people in his descendant line line of descendants three or four people and and he never did get the land he never did because he had actually buy a piece of ground to bury sarah in and that was the same place i believe that they buried several of his other family members himself and so you know he says in hebrews he he went on to have to go to the city whose foundation and builder is god so he you could say, well, technically Abraham never got the promises. Well, the promises were so huge, and they weren't just for Abraham; they were for all of his descendants. The stars of the sea, the sand of the, of the uh, stars of the sea, stars of the Star sky, the sky <laughs> the sand of oh, the seashore. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah. so but he was in. He he died in faith, believing. So we can see that. You know, say, well, that's those guys. That's not me. Well, you know, yes, it is. We are the end days. Uh, mighty warriors of god and we can't look to the right or to the left we can't look at what it looks like we can't look at what it what it feels like it doesn't matter what it feels like doesn't matter what it looks like because you might be surprised what god is doing he says don't despise the day of small beginnings you may be doing a lot more than you think and it's really a waste of time to go into this this mully place of expectations um psalm 40 verse 1 says i waited patiently for the lord and he inclined to me and heard me he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps this would be the snake pit the horrible pit he's talking about is the snake pit satan set up for you to be born into which he tried to raise you in tried to use to program you that you're a doing not a being and then he squashes all you're doing so you become you feel dumb And you feel like you didn't do anything, and so therefore you're not worth anything. But it says the psalmist, he says, he puts a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. What are they seeing out when they look at us? Are they seeing a place and a way to trust in the Lord and to rejoice in God? Are they seeing a guy who's given up? Um, It says, he says in verse 11 and 12, do not, Lord, do not withhold your tender mercies from me let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me for innumerable evils have surrounded me. You know, we have been so surrounded by evil. We have no idea how much the devil would try to kill us every day, every second of the day, if it wouldn't be for the staying power and hand and protection of God, we'd all be dead already. But even in the little things that we do get a glimpse of, we see God's faithfulness. And this is where we need to rejoice in the faithfulness of God, rejoice in the weight, rejoice in knowing that God's got it. It's his problem. If it doesn't all turn out the way you think it should, that's too bad for you because it's not even your problem. It's it's God's plan, and I'm working God's plan. So we're going to trust in him because he helps us.
1: Here, here's an example of this, you know, in Jeremiah. His ministry was, you know, very unpopular. Okay? God told him from the beginning, you know, people, you're going to go, you're going to preach, you're going to be like... um you're going to be like the most a, unpopular a, like a face of flint. You're going to speak against them. They're going to resist you. They're not going to applaud you. They're not going to say amen when you speak. You're just going to have a tough no followers. Go, a, but go speak, okay? Wow. What a deal! So they're not going to hear you. So his expectation it, in
0: God was what God said, and he was he knew.
1: But he 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 knew the ex. But he even in Jeremiah 20 verse seven he says, Oh, Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded." You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Uh Everyone mocks me.
0: Nobody likes me.
1: Yeah. And when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and derision daily. Now, it's interesting. God said that's how it was going to be. But he's, you know, but Jeremiah's at the place. Well, yeah, I know you said it. This is how it's going to be. But it's like. This is just more than I thought it would be, a little bit more than what I actually bargained for here.
0: Jeremiah's face, he said, was set like a flint. God had had done something in Jeremiah that caused him to not take it personal, not turn back, not get afraid, not be offended. And he was in some tough spots. He had to go talk to kings and talk to kings about their misdeeds and about the coming destruction I mean, there you, you're taking your head in your hands to get it cut off if you do that.
1: Right, and he's talking to hard-hearted religious people, idolatrous people, Pride, people, prideful. people who were supposedly yeah. the, supposed to be the servants of God that had gone into all kinds of immorality and idolatry. But he said he, he was an overcomer here. Mm-hmm. In verse uh, 20, verse 9, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to give up. You know, I'm just going to give up. Uh, but then, he said that. But then he couldn't stick with that. He said, "Why? Yeah, because his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, yeah. and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not." So he he overcame the temptation to be discouraged. Yes, it was. There was expectations mm-hmm. that he was going to have all this resistance. But he says, in, the, in spite of that, I'm going to fulfill what God has called me to do. I'm going to continue to speak the word because the word of God mm-hmm. is burning in my heart. Yeah. And so that was the expectation of God upon him, that he was going to be a faithful prophet to that wicked generation. You know,
0: it's like um, our expectations become the sacrifice that we offered to God on the altar uh, the, of our life your expectation, giving up your life, your thoughts, how you thought it would go, what you want to look like, the acclaim of people. You just, you're dead to that. You are. As a matter of fact, as believers, we are no longer living unto ourselves. We're we're dead in Christ. Uh, and the Bible says to live as Christ, to, to, you know, in him, we live and move and have our being. And if we get to that place of consecration, sanctification, then we're getting more and more immune to the uh, the way it looks, the way it feels, and what people say and what we think and what the devil tries to tell us. I just get so uh personally sick of people who are so lost in their own discouragements and expectations because of the fact that it wastes so much precious time. However, it is a very human and common uh malady if you look and again in the Psalms, Psalms are very good. If you got any problems, read the Psalms you find that somebody had that same problem before you ever did. So in Psalm forty two, um, in verse eleven He's talking, the psalmist is talking about seeking the Lord, and he ends up saying, you know, you are my rock. Um, Why have you forgotten me, verse 9? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Um, As the breaking of my bones, my enemy reproaches me while they say all day long, where's your God? And this is kind of where it goes for us these days because people are so contemptuous, so um, uh, boastful, so unashamed of their brazen Uh, rebellion against god they're using the very breath god has given them the very food god has given them to eat to blaspheme god and have no fear in verse 11 he says why are you cast down O my soul and why are you so disquiet are you disquieted within me hope in god for i shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my god this is a very interesting verse because he's actually talking to himself he's talking to his soul his soul is his mind will emotions reasoning uh, power, all the things that we were programmed to believe. And and who's talking to him? Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. It's not God talking. It's his spirit man talking to him saying, why are you downcast? Get up. You know, let's praise God. He's going to take care of it. He's my help. He will vindicate me, goes on in Psalm 43. In 43, he talks about being vindicated. But then at the end, he says again, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. Why are you so disquieted within me? This is a common You know, discouragement, disappointment, uh, broken hearts, broken dreams. This is very common to the human race. This is absolutely part of God's God can use this all things work together for good. God can use even your heartbreaks and the most horrible, terrible things that have ever happened to you, the loss of loved ones. And he can use all that stuff to perfect you, to create hope in you. He says, for I will yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So he's saying it doesn't matter. Uh, What my soul, my soul is going through this downcast period, but my spirit is going to have to take the lead on this. And I'm going to know that I know what I know and that God is faithful to complete the work he's begun in me.
1: Psalm 62, verse five, my soul waits silently for God alone. So he's talking to his soul. Uh Okay. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, mm-hmm. even when your expectations aren't met, right? You people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. There's there's two things I want to just bring out here. Number one, our expectation needs to be from God, mm-hmm. f- according to his word, according to his promises, We expect God to do certain things. We trust him to bring healing, to bring help, to bring salvation, to bring answers. But oftentimes, we think of how he's going to do it. The Jewish people, for example, they were expecting the Messiah. But when Mm -hmm. Jesus came, he didn't fit the mold.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Okay, he didn't fit the model, the mold.
0: The expectation.
1: Uh, the expectation. They just say, "Well, who is he? Is he John the Baptist? Is this the prophet? Yeah. Is this Moses? Is it Elijah? Is he a, a, a bastard? Who is he?" They 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 couldn't figure it out. He did not fit the picture. A lot of times that they had in their minds, their expectation. They were right to expect the Messiah, but he came. The way he came was different. Same way too. Naaman, you remember naaman the Syrian commander? We hear a lot about Syria in the in these days. He was this commander, big guy in the military he but he was a leper and he had captured a little slave girl in his raid into israel and she said, well you know if uh, if if my master knew about the prophet that's in uh, you know in the land." he could go to him and um, be healed of his leprosy. So Elisha, uh, he sent for Elisha, okay, to come. Um, and here's the message. Eli- Naaman comes with his big entourage, his his military people, his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house and and expecting some great thing to happen. Elisha said in Second in Kings five ten, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now this is this is the word of the Lord to mm-hmm. to Naaman. Mm-hmm. But Naaman became furious. He's mad. He's freaking out. And he went his way, he said, Indeed I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. And Elijah didn't even come out of his house. He sent a servant, "Say, well, just go wash in the pool of Siloam mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm, going to be... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh,
0: Expectations,
1: yeah. Expectations. He had this whole expectation of how it should be. And and, and then his servants said, well, listen, you know, if he told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Well, why don't you just go ahead and do what Elisha's saying? And so what happened is Naaman... <laughs> Uh, went down and dipped, verse 14, seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he said, later he said, Indeed, now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So a lot of times when we're praying for something, we're expecting God to work. But we think we look. it looks like, man, it's not happening the way we think it should go. But he is hearing our prayer. He's answering. He's doing it in a way that's beyond our expectations.
0: Right. But the thing is, here's another problem. And, and you know, in Psalm 27, by the way, is a really good place for you to read if you want to, Um. you know, I, he says in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This becomes a thing we haven't really talked about, but when we lose heart and get disappointed, the disappointment is is really focused on the goodness of God that God is not good, God does not care, God is not with me, um, God has abandoned me, forsaken me, just like everybody else, and so really, when Satan puts the pressure on us to become discouraged, it really is to reflect back on the unfaithfulness of God and that God is not good. So this psalmist is saying the reason i 'm still hoping is because God is good I, I that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and this is your argument back to God, God, I believe you're good. I know you're good. You cannot not be good because you are God, you are, you are love. And so I'm gonna stand on that and believe that you're gonna work all these, thing, all these things together for good because I love you and I have no other way of doing this but through you. And so he's, he, he would have lost heart. And I think this is what Satan wants us to do is lose heart, lose heart in not only in our own capabilities, in our own life and point of our life, but also to lose heart in the love in the in the in the faithfulness and the goodness of god and then in verse 14 he says wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart wait i say on the lord and for all of us in these expectations waiting upon the lord is what god you know really intends that waiting is like dying but dying is like living so when you die to these things waiting upon the lord god will perfect god will deliver god will heal God will make it right, in the end.
1: Waiting, in the dying, and then in the dying, we have the living. Romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine, and we know. Here's another part: the knowing. Mm-hmm. That's what keep, the knowing keeps us going. Yeah, that's right. And we know that in all things, that all things work together for good. All things mm-hmm. work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed Conformed to the image of his son. To the image of his son. That is God's goal. so this is us. the
0: process. this is a process of being conformed to the image of his dear son to come through these battles, knowing that God is good, God is faithful, that waiting isn't the end, and that God has got this. so whatever you're dealing with today, whether it get rid of it, tell the devil to go to hell, the expectations, disappointment, call it you spirit of disappointment, discouragement, being disgruntled uh regrets, go to hell, get out of here you don't have a you do not have a right to dictate in my life. Who I am or what's going on here. Shut up. You can tell the devil to shut up. It's okay.
1: All these things are geared to shape us yeah. into the image. If we could just to remember to that, and Jesus that's the problem.
0: Christ. We remember it and then we forget it. Then we remember it's then it's snatched out of our mind again. Satan keeps snatching the truth out. We need the, Jesus called that that spirit Satan that snatched the word of God. Uh, in the, in the peril of the sower and the soil. he he did that. He says Satan. So we need to take, this is a battle. This is a war. Father, we ask right now that you would, uh, you are, you are through us victorious in this battle, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that all of these things that we go through, even the discouragement, uh, disappointments, failed expectations, regrets, we give all these things to, we put them back on the altar of our life. We say, Lord, burn them up. They're yours. They're an offering. Our expectations Our life is not our own. We belong to you. Thy will be done. And Lord, we ask that you'd encourage and and, uh, set each one free today. Uh, And in Jesus' name, let these things be done. Amen. Amen. By the way, if you want to to find out more about us and more about these archived radio shows, you can go to liferecovery.com and check on the Rescue Radio button and listen to us lots. God bless you all and have a super day.
1: Amen. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location? I I can't Rescue radio.
0: Because there's a war for your soul.